I want to know what Bobby was going to say about Joe Rogan and the native experience. No, I've just, I've seen his Instagram and uh, I know like, well, uh, he, he like, he posts stuff like randomly about Indians, but like, you know, from a real outside perspective, you know, to where like, it's like, but it's that like white guy kind of thing of, you know, like the on mystery that is Indians, you know, it's like all the stuff that he's heard that he has in his head. And plus, like, I think especially with MMA guys, at least in my experience with like a lot of like fucking dude, dude, bro kind of guys, you know, <laughs> especially on, on like white guys. Like that. Well, you know, anybody that's not Indian, really, they have like these kind of perceptions of it. And when you especially in the fight culture and stuff like that, like the the idea of like a warrior, like there's this mentality and that preconceived notion, they all they again, this is just my experience, my observation my white dudes be like Bobby, bobby's just speaking his truth speak your truth just Bobby. acting like you know different around me than they do other people <laughs> and i think it's like all that built up uh I, I mean i'm positive it's all that built up shit from you know them growing up in america and every time they see an indian like the emphasis is really like on warlike societies warrior culture and stuff like that you know Literally, they know there was like motherfuckers in like a little cedar basket collecting berries out in the woods and shit too, you know? It's like a year one. He's like, the only reason we was fighting is because they came here. (laughs) We were very peaceful people. Yeah, except for Navajos. You guys like fucking tore ass all the way way through Mongolia, up down. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my focus today. (laughs) This podcast. Yeah, yeah. Damn, well, gotta call us out. We just like <laughs> kept on going. That's why we have DNA, DNA over there in the in Canada. You know, DNA, DNA, not not DNA. Is it DNA yellow knives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what happened on our way down? Did we just drop the yellow knives and just be like, oh, we're just gonna be DNA? I, I, I don't know. Had to. Yeah, we're just like we don't have any knives anymore. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Is that why you do it? Is that why you do it? Cody? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to bring back. it up. I'm bring it back, you know. Yellow knives represent. <laughs> Cody's, yeah. Cody's trying to do a reverse Baron Strait. He's trying to bring back the Baron Strait. Yeah, and we go can go over. back. Yeah. <laughs> we want to go back. The great yeah. return. Yeah, I'm going to walk back, guys. <laughs> Ten years later, living in a yurt, fucking doing archery on the back of some woolly horse. Got all your, all your, all your in-laws in the yurt. Yeah, just a bunch of little naughty kids running around. Yeah. Just like walk out of my yurt, and there's like five, like ten little kids just all around my yurt, and just like they're all falconing. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get your damn falcon out of here! I said not in the house. That thing sits out there. Now there's fucking yeah. falconer shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Dead wolves everywhere. <laughs> like <used> to- <laughs> How big is this falcon, Cody? Oh, it's it's big, real big. Oh, yeah, real big. <laughs> uh, I, have you seen them? They look all badass. Like they like cruise around like a big old eagle, like yeah. on their fucking and the thing like that. And, like yeah. with a big old timber wolf on their on their like in the back of their horse, and they're like, oh, yeah, just, you know, my eagle just hunted for me. Nothing big. <laughs> the closest I've ever been to that was having a parrot on my arm. And it only knew a bad word. And it was because my mom, it was my mom's friend's parrot. That's the closest I've ever felt to that. Hey, you're, you're an ancestral Mongolian instinctual. Damn. Yeah. Great. 
Polly want a cracker? Polly want a cracker? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a little parakeet. <laughs> Just chilling. <laughs> <up. laughs> oh. I, I feel my indigeneity points have gone down. Not only have I, I found out that I'm not warrior enough, it's I'm also lacking a falcon. I'm, You're I'm, not a warrior. I'll do you one worse. I got bit by a cockatoo and it wouldn't let go. It was on my finger. Just my middle finger. I was told it was cool. I was like petting it. It has a little, you know, a little mohawk thing there. And I was just like going for it. And uh, then the fucker just went like, just like right onto my finger. It was all bloody. I was like, oh shit. And it just started flapping, you know, like trying to carry my finger off. And so I was like going around. I was like trying to take it off. I grabbed it and it wouldn't let go. It just like held there. I was like, stop, stop, stop. Like I pull it and just like more blood start coming out my finger. So then I like yeah. squeezed it, squeezed like its mouth beak part right there. I was like, let go, let go, let go, let go. Like I didn't want to kill it because it was my cousin's <laughs> pet bird and shit. So, oh yeah, I should have said that at the beginning. It wasn't just out in the world like <laughs> cockatoos. Well, the thing about dealing with avian relatives is you got to you gotta like assert dominance really fast. Yeah. One thing know. my grandma told me was if those chickens ever come at you, you just swap them. And then one day I did, and I just knocked that chicken out and never gave me shit afterwards. I mean, I'm still scared of chickens, but, you know, I know to punch them before they come the, at me. My, my dad did that one time because a, a rooster attacked my sister and I. And my dad, because he grew up on a farm, he was like a farm boy. He grabbed that rooster by its talons, and he just started twirling it like that, like going in circles like that. Then he just like held it up. And then he's like, you leave my kids alone. And then he like threw it down. <laughs> Uh, my, my upbringing in the Twin Cities was very similar, guys, except they were uh, the, the avian relatives were meth heads from the east side of St. Paul. <laughs> Same, though, you got to swing them by the talon and, and be like, leave my family alone. You know, don't bring that stuff around here. Well, go on, get <laughs> gone. Was wait, was the cockatoo just some like meth, meth head with like a, with the mohawk or something like that? No, my biting, biting, biting your finger at some point, but, you know. Yeah, no, she definitely tried meth at some point, but not at the time, not at that time. Well, uh, this one time I, I did see, like, I think it was really funny. Like, so I was, you know, in Gallup, but um, there was like a gang of ICP dudes just like all in black. The hair was off. Yeah, juggalos. Yeah. Relatives. Juggalos. Juggalos. Yeah. Juggalos. Yep. Juggalo relatives, the hatchet relatives. They all congregated at like, this place by Sonics and my dad, he's like, Oh, hey, look at check out those goggies. <laughs> it was like a hundred degrees out. They're just all chilling out in their big old like hoodies and like black hoodies. <laughs> wait, like, wait, the fuck? wait, does does Bobby know what goggies mean? We don't want to get too dark. Uh, oh, it means like <laughs> like crows. He's like, check out those crows over there. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. No, that's okay. Nah, he might get all mad if I mention crow. But what'd you say about crows? Uh, no, no, please. Let's talk shit about every tribe. I have no loyalties outside of my own. <laughs> Damn. Okay. <laughs> we, got, we got all the shit talking out earlier. Yeah, I just I wanted to say thank you for joining us. You know, we were pretty excited, you know, that you agreed to do this with uh, two silly Navajos. So oh, it's one and a half because I'm half. Oh, well, fuck. Okay. Well, I guess one and a half. I'm not eating my dad. My, oh. nah, it's, <laughs> my it's me. I'm half Navajo Bobby. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> my, my dad, he's white. 
Can't you see the blue in my eyes, Bobby? <laughs> I could see it in your hair. <laughs> your hair's all thin. <laughs> Do you see in my receding, my receding hairline, Bobby? This is from my kid, but it's actually my white side. <laughs> yeah. When you were pregnant, you experienced some hair loss, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So thank you for joining one one and a half Navajos. <laughs> <laughs> we should just change the podcast to that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> but yeah, no, we we had we wanted to interview you because Cody and I we we really like the shows that you've been writing for, but also that you've you've been starring on. You know, that was really nice. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I know that guy. Um, your nasty movies too. Yee, those yeah, ones. those are just the ones I sent you guys. <laughs> oh no, that's the one I saw in the Gallup Pawn Shop. Fifty cents. <laughs> I was like looking at the DVDs. <laughs> I, want that one. I was looking for Ninja Turtles and I came across a nasty video of Bobby Wilson. And yeah. I usually sell those on a little table outside of uh, Jerry's just on, just on Sunday. <laughs> those are artistic movies that I'm trying to get sold at uh, the He's, next. Yeah, my next... films. <laughs> Earth films at Earl's. He's just like walking around. Yeah, Earl. <laughs> just like shove them out there. No, they like look at it. They're like, yo. I got real nasty about... names too, like stuffed sopapilla. <laughs> <laughs> they like, like some old old elders just look over to, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm okay. And they just like shrug you off. I've already seen that one. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, yeah, we, we're pretty excited. I actually just finished watching the most recent episode of um of uh, Reservation Dogs. So you know, and, and that's something that me and Cody, you know, we, we like watching movies, we like watching TV shows, um, and generally we just like consuming media. And so when you have like an opportunity <laughs> to to actually like interview someone who's working with that, or at least writing and providing stories that are far more accurate than the most accurate native movie to come prior, which was uh, Dancing with Wolves. You know, it's, it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, so we're really excited to have you on. You, you also happen to be part of the 1491s, which again, Cody and I, we, we really like comedy. And I think it's the 1492s. Oh Wait, shit, did I fuck that up? No, no, it's oh, cool. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, 1491s, God damn it, Cody. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to keep shit straight and he's just like, nah, bro, I'm gonna fuck up your, your, your train of thought. <laughs> um, you know, his it, other half talking. <laughs> yeah. It's that white side. He's just, just erasing to... your guys' history. <laughs> Revisionism. Revisionism. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I, I found out because um, I think it was my friend Andrew, he told me about it and he was like, check this out. And it was the Avatar skit. And I thought oh, that shit yeah. was hilarious. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, this is good. And so, you know, today we got a couple of questions for you. You know, just wanted to explore what influences your writing, but also, you know, your take on certain things. What we could do is just maybe have you introduce yourself real quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. Yacht A, motherfuckers. Bobby Wilson, Imachia Piedo. Yeah, that's the superior language there. Uh, I'm Sisituan Wakbetuan Dakota, and I'm an artist. I do comedy, I do painting, I do beadwork, I do uh, TV writing, acting, all sorts of stuff. If, it, if it's about art, I'm going to try it out. And uh, I'm going to put all of my my weird uh, focus into it. The Sisituan Wapinton focus on it, huh? Yeah. 
give it the old Dakota magic, that focus right there. I guess my first question, because this is something I've been thinking about in terms of my own personal life, is asking people who engage in art or any type of writing where they wrote what they write. Wait, shit, fuck that. Well, you know, just like what, what's your spot? Um, in this case, for Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs, where did you write those? Was there like a, was it in your bedroom or was it just like at a coffee shop? It was uh, in his teepee, Marley. In his teepee. <laughs> Racism. Cody's <laughs> gonna fuck up this interview being you know, anti-indigenous with this, this horizontal violence. I'm just my colonizer today. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wrote it in my dugout canoe upon the Great Lakes up above the Mississippi. The CEO of racism just called me and said Cody's doing a great job. And I had to hang up on him. <laughs> He's like, thank you, Cody, for bringing back stock to this, the racism. <laughs> oh, God. CEO of racism. Cherokee guy. Really great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. I write everything everywhere. I write like, I mean, okay, so my favorite place to write is in really busy public settings where like like preferably someplace that nobody would know me at so like um for but you know it all got fucked up during the pandemic so i couldn't quite do that anymore but when i was first writing like the outline for my episode of rutherford falls i went to this like really crazy outdoor mall type place that i had never been to before and uh, I wrote on like the patio of like a Barnes and Noble that was there. And uh, it was fucking nice. I loved it. It was so, it was so great. But I, I, my favorite place to write is like malls. I like going to a mall and just writing there because like the Wi-Fi is usually really shitty. So I can't be like fucking flipping over and checking my Facebook, check my Instagram, check my Twitter or anything like that, you know? And so like I, I'll have my, my Wi-Fi off and I use my fucking it's just becomes a word processing unit. And I just like am forced to sit there and write, write, write. And nobody fucking cares that you're there either. Like there's so many people there, like people walking past you. They've all got their own goddamn business. As long as you like went and bought like something to eat or something like that. I just like, I get one thing and I sit there with like a cup of coffee and I just fucking bang it out. Usually uh, to get my head space though. And this is funny. I'm going to tell you guys this because uh, I just did this like um, youth program documentary thing uh, that my buddy Ryan Redcorn, who's also in the 1491s with me, he's been working on. It's called Road Trip Nation. They uh, they like so they interviewed me with some youth and they were like, what's your writing process like? So I told them sort of what the writing process was like, but I left out the part about how I usually smoke like a big fat blunt while I'm walking aimlessly <laughs> through the city or a park on my way to like just get my head going you know what i mean i'll like fucking sometimes i'll like start running i got like a little fucking blunt just bouncing around in my mouth and just trying to get my head out and like trying to fucking stretch these limbs out you know what i mean and get some get some air get my head right and then i'll sit down and warm up and uh just write about whatever comes to mind should have told the youth that she just kept it in there but guys the best thing to write is just to get high as fuck fucking stone make sure you have really good indica that's my personal and uh you know preferably nice it's nice to buy like a big tobacco leaf for your blunts because it's more like economical that way 
you know, it just comes in one package, a giant brown tobacco leaf. Like, what are some obstacles when you hit, like, uh, like, do you hit your writer's block sometimes? What are yeah. the obstacles and what do you do to get it overcome? It's, it's fucking hard to, uh, well, I, I think like the obstacles are really just like my own attention span. And especially like when I'm writing, 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 and I get too in the weeds, I'll be like, ugh, like, what do I do next? Like, ugh, this is so stupid. And I'll go back like three pages and just like start like micro editing stuff, which is not good. Like you shouldn't be doing that. You know? And I'll be like, and finally I'll be like, what am I doing? I've been working for like 30 minutes on like these fucking things that were already written. Like you're supposed to just write through that at least, okay, like this works best for me. You write through a thing. You've got like the full structure there and then go back and edit, going back, rereading what you did and then editing through there. And yeah. Reading it out loud and deleting scenes, moving things around. Yeah. I don't know. That's wait, 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 wait. So you're at the mall. Are you typing in the food court? Yeah. I food court it. Well, sometimes <laughs> you know, this is the thing about the mall though, is like, it doesn't always have to be the food court. So uh, and I'm like a super early riser because I have a fucking two year old. And so like I get I, my ass is up at like fucking 530, no later than six every day. And I love getting to the mall like when they unlock the doors because it's just like elders just fucking <laughs> like doing their walk groups and shit, you know, like and I'm like I'm the, the youngest dude in there at that time, you know, except for like some folks who are coming in to like, you know, start their jobs or whatever. But uh, that's usually the best time to go to a mall and write because like there ain't nobody in there yet i was gonna say I, I i joined one of those like walking with old people at the old spectrum mall i think it's called christian mall now that shit was kind of fun i'm not gonna lie it was as if racism had end post-racism that little era that moment of post-racism had happened when i was walking with those old white people uh, i'm you know my first thought is like you were lucky that you didn't get uh get outed you know like you know grab your beautiful little papoose ass and wrap you up and put you up on a shelf (laughs) yeah i mean i was really happy i mean the other thing too is they probably just were like really nice that day i don't know i I had a good time i'm sure they'd be nice so so wait bobby do you like go to the food court or do you smoke like go to the food court and you see them walking around then you smoke a big fat blunt and then you walk with them i don't walk with them you know i'm not okay this is this is marley's thing this is Marley Walker. You know, I'm yeah. I just see them and I'm like, morning, you know, morning, don't engage with me. Thank you. You wrote uh, various like screenwrites, right? What, what are some of the biggest like screenwrites that you, you've written? Yes, just to name on top, off, off, the, off the top of your head. Well, I mean, I, just every, the shows that I've written on, I've, I've only written on three. Mm-hmm. And, uh, each of them feels like really big <laughs> so like Rutherford Falls. I mean, it's like, you know, they fucking had a full on network budget behind it. You know, they fucking spoiled us or at least I felt spoiled actually, you know, all the seasoned writers too. Like we had people that fucking wrote on like SNL during the Will Ferrell days and shit like that. And this like, these are folks that I got to learn from. And so that felt like, you know, humongous, but that was also my first ever TV job with the, uh, uh, Rutherford Falls, Sierra Teller, Onellis. Mm-hmm. I guess kind of going what you said about like the the learning from a lot of great writers, because you know I, I'm Boney War Pony Productions, but as a 
I guess uh word of advice. What, what is Fucking your word of advice? Self promotion. No, I'm yep. just kidding. Insert, oh, sorry, insert I'm sorry. advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, go check out the next Bony War Pony movie. <laughs> In short, it's great. <laughs> what are some uh great or words of advice for people who are starting to write and starting to kind of telling their stories? I think like the biggest advice is like just fucking do it, you know? Just fucking do it it's so hard for some folks and like it's been hard for me before like early on you know like you 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 have these ideas in your head and I hear it from really phenomenal artists all the time who are like yeah like uh I've been writing this thing for years and like um it's my baby you know I just it needs needs to be right it just needs to be right but like I mean you know I wouldn't you know I'm always like you know fucking do it, you know, like have fun with it. Like that's dope. You've got your baby, you've got your thing. But like, like I said before, you know, it's like, even from what I've learned from these guys, it's like, you just write it. You have the idea, you've got like, you cart it out, get your process. And then you like, you know how it starts, you know how it's supposed to end. You got to fill that shit in the middle. Just write it out. The first draft is going to fucking blow. It doesn't matter. Like, cause it's just the first draft. And then you go back and you work on it but you got to make sure that it's there first. Like you, you have to get that dough out, you know, and fucking like spread it out and real nice and even before you can make that good bread, you know? I, I think that's good advice because that's something when it came to my podcast and just podcasting in general, it's just like, just fucking do it. You know, yeah, like, like I was sponsored by Ni- Nike or some shit. <laughs> Cause I mean, that's, that's it. Like you're, you're, the more you think about it, the more you're just going to keep pushing it off people we have such limited time in existence that you know you, you might as well just do it doesn't matter you know you're gonna get criticism but at least you got it done that's for everything that's for like what you just said with your podcast you know i have a million shit like i'm supposed to be learning how to sew so i can make my kids some shit and i've got a fucking sewing machine here i've had it for like two years i have no idea how to use it i don't have a fucking clue how to use it it's there and i'm gonna do it at some point but you know, that's, that's the thing though. It's uh, you, you get these ideas of like, you know, and, and there's also that pressure in my head that I have, where I'm like, I have so much I want to say to the world and I will have so many things that I want to accomplish. And I know that I could fucking, I could die today, you know, <laughs> like we don't fucking know. And, uh, and I think that's the existential pressure that we all feel. But uh, when, when it comes to this thing that I truly, truly love and have always wanted to do. Um, that's really what it is. It's like, just fucking do it and be good to people and uh, put in the work for your craft. And hopefully, you know, you'll fucking be able to have, uh, you know, to do what, do what you love. Dang. I always try to not get, get to that. <laughs> like, like, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, it always, it always kind of comes down to this thing too. It's like, uh i need to be able to make a living off of it it's like i got this tattoo on my throat when i was like 20 years old and everybody was like no one's ever gonna hire you for anything for the rest of your life because i was like a carny at the time at like the state fair seasonally and then like i was also like just shoplifting and selling stuff on craigslist and ebay so i was like who gives a shit who's gonna hire me to do anything you know i just want to tag on stuff and fucking Wait, what, 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 you were a carny, but like, what were you like, what carnival ride were you like associated it was just, with? It was like a, just a ski lift at the fucking state uh, fair. 
I thought you were gonna be like the the throwing axe because I was was like, is this the origin story that we've never heard before? (laughs) The origin story behind like the neck tattoos? No, man, I used to do uh so like I was super into the spoken word scene and like it was like spoken word hip hop scene of the Twin Cities uh when I was in my like late teens, early twenties. I had a lot of exposure to this stuff. And one of my friends, Tish Jones, she was like, Hey, like um I've been working at the state fair in the summers. Like they take my recommendations. I'm a manager there. Like, do you want this seasonal work? I was like, dude, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do that. Uh, fucking hated it. It was terrible, but I got to work with my friends at least. <laughs> it was kind of rugged sometimes. Anyways, but, I've heard stories. Some of my friends worked at the Arizona State Fair, and they told me some like sketchy shit. I'm never gonna ride this ride again, just because they'd be like, "Yeah, there's some screws missing on that shit," and I'm like, "What the fuck?" If yeah, people... it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing. Like you get to peak because you know you go to the state fair and you're like, oh yeah, I'll fucking give you five bucks to sit on this stupid thing that spins around, and then you, you don't want to figure out like <laughs> which screws are loose. You know, you don't think about that. <laughs> has have has that like experience played into some of your writing, or have is there a character that you're writing that's going to be a carny in the future? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of this shit is going to make it in there at some point in time in my life and all the work that I'm doing. Cause like, I mean, especially around that state fair stuff, it's just like, I don't know. I'm going to write a lot more about Minnesota and what it's like growing up uh, fucking piss poor in, uh, in this like liberal bastion of America. That's like the healthiest state in United States, you know? And they're just like, ugh, it's all so insidious. And just like, I, I, that's the shit that I love is like, you know, thinking about my own experiences and the people that I grew up around and how I grew up and just like, I don't know, the hypocrisy of, you know, who benefits within those systems. Like, I love, I love that shit. I love thinking about it, reading about it. I get really depressed about it sometimes though, but you know, yeah. it's a lot of therapy. Since we're talking about Minnesota, I was curious who your your favorite Min- underground Minnesota artist is, you know, because I, I listen to a lot of rhyme sayers, you oh, know, yeah. any any associated hip hop group that might not be in existence anymore. Who do you, who do you like? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because it's like there's so many people that have come and gone through uh, through our music scene from up that way. Like I was born and raised there. And, uh, you know, back when I was a kid, rhyme sayers, they had free shows like every fucking weekend. And so like whoever they were like you would go and you would just see a fucking atmosphere at like some random park you know on a weekend and there's like a skateboard ramp that's been built or like uh one time i was walking around downtown minneapolis just tagging on shit at like fucking like one two in the morning and i ran into brother ali who had just gotten done grocery shopping he was just like carrying bags home Uh, yeah there's all sorts of folks like that was he like the truth is he or the truth is he? Yeah, I was like carrying his grocery bag. You know, yeah, he's like he's. I mean, like I said, it was like two a.m. He's like by himself. I mean, he's a big fucking dude, but you know, giant albino guy walking with grocery bags in the middle of downtown at like two in the morning. I'm all brother, my lead. He was like, I've well, met not, a few times yeah. over in my life, but like uh, people say that he's blind and shit, and you can kind of tell like his eyes are a little bit are red because he's like albino and shit, but. 
there's so many people that have come through there like i mean even like lizzo for example shit man i mean like i I know she wasn't like born and raised minneapolis or whatever like my sister's always like she's not from here she's from detroit i'm like take it okay like she's amazing like let her uh particularly for the episode that you have for reservation dogs with uh greasy greasy fry bread uh (laughs) you know like it what it like what inspired you to put a native rapper in there I'll tell you what, Pumpkin Lusty is not so much a Minnesota. Uh, he's not really like a celebration of hip hop. You know what I mean? Like he's a shitty dude. Uh, he's actually so like I grew up in the Twin Cities a lot in my whole life. Like I had never really gone further than like South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I'd been to Chicago a couple times um, and that's about it. And then uh, in my 20s, I really like, um, we had this really big hip hop show that had been organized in Minneapolis called Anti-Columbus Day, which was a lot of fun. Like there's these local guys named Los Nativos who, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with Rhyme Sayers, you know, they're, they're, they're on there, they're, they're on the label. Um, but they had really done a shitload of organizing around it. And what's crazy is like nowadays, like looking back, this is seriously like 20 goddamn years ago uh fucking like the people who started illuminatives came out for it like they helped it but they had their own like a completely different thing going on like they had t-shirts that said like in that was something about indians i don't know it was like a play on it you know it's always something something clever though uh anyway i met like a some like indigenous hip-hop artists from like around the country that had all come to this thing i was like oh fuck like particularly from oklahoma and I was really like, you know, I, I used to be a bit embarrassed to say it, but, you know, I'm not anymore, but uh, I was like smitten by this because like for, for my cohort back home in Minnesota, like there weren't really like that many natives. I think there was like four or five of us, and, you know, obviously we all knew each other who were like writing graffiti uh, and like only a couple of them actually liked hip hop. A couple of us liked hip hop. The rest were like metalheads and shit and like... <laughs> You know, but that's graffiti. They would still go to the shows, but you know, like how all of a sudden having like these this experience of like other Indians who do graffiti, other Indians who uh, who fucking like rap, and, like like it blew my mind. I was like, oh shit! Like there's a bunch of Indians out there. Uh, so I fucking you know I got I got super into that uh, seeing these guys. And um, when I came to the 1491s. This is like the funny thing about performing. Like um, I always talk to comedians who aren't native about like how they got to where they are now, especially like successful comedians. And like a lot of it is like, you know, like, oh yeah, like they would go to the comedy store or they would go to Second City. They had all these like options in these really large cities, like, uh, you know, fucking LA or New York. And I'm like, God dang, like they're like, yeah. And then you just hit the clubs. You just hit the clubs all around the, the country. And that didn't really feel like an option when we were doing 1491 stuff. But the indigenous communities all across North America were like fucking bringing us out, uh, asking us to come perform. And so like I got to kind of like we always started calling it like the circuit and stuff. So we would like get brought to some random conference for like indigenous gaming or like tribal gaming and uh, just be like the entertainment while a bunch of people fucking, you know, ate dinner and stuff like that. Uh, Or like there was a lot of youth conferences that would happen. And the youth conferences, I was like, okay, cool. Because I have a background in youth work back home in Minnesota. 
I was part of a lot of youth programs for arts. And then as an adult, I started working for those same programs that I had kind of aged out of. Uh, and so I was like, oh, this is sick. Like I get to do like this kind of national youth work sort of thing. And I would meet these other like Indians, especially from Oklahoma and like Kansas and stuff like that. And they were like super um, Christian, but like in a really weird kind of way. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, in, in a lot of the youth work stuff, it felt really preachy and it would be like a lot of, uh, a lot of hip hop dudes um, who are like, you know, don't drink don't do drugs, kids, like, yeah, yeah, like, you can grow up to be like me, you know, like, really, like, and, and trying to be very, like, um, real, real sacred about everything that they were doing, like, uh, but make it cool, make it, like, cool, <laughs> sacred, you know? I'm trying to imagine, like, some tribe inviting you, and then being, like, can you rap about economic incentives and corporate agreements? <laughs> 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 well, I, I do appreciate that, because, um, you know, like, I, I think that's something I resonated with within that episode was the, the the relationship between the son and the father pretty much admitting that i got daddy issues but you know we'll save that for <laughs> another time yate my name is marley i'm the least famous of the co-hosts of the fucking sick podcast i'm just here to remind you that if you like what you hear to subscribe like and share this podcast with your family your brother and your sister your mom and your dad your aunties and your uncles your elders hell even share with your council delegate and the local skinwalker. We'd also like if you could review the podcast, send in topic suggestions for us to talk about. Oh, yeah, thank you. Now back to the show. I was going to ask, like, how did the 1490, how did you get involved with the 1491s? Uh, it was like a crazy time. It was um, like 2009, I, I want to say, 2010, somewhere around there my auntie Juanita and her boyfriend at the time um they're both like kind of on the older side and both of them have really bad eyes I was doing this mural project um in the native housing projects called Little Earth in Minneapolis and uh, it was like a summer program it was a whole thing but uh on this particular day uh we had gotten rained out and I was just standing you know in like the gymnasium like just kind of waiting around and my auntie called me up and she goes, hey, son, uh, you know, I just want to call. And uh, I, I, I got, I'm going to this thing called Santa Fe Indian Market. I've always thought that this would be a really cool, like, thing for you to be exposed to. And, like, wondering if you got any interest in going, because I'm on the board for the Institute of American Indian Arts, which is the school there. I'm sure you guys know, but, you know, for your listeners. Uh, and uh, she was like, "Me and Leonard, we are, our eyes are too bad to drive at night. We need we need your young eyes to to drive us there." And I was like, "Oh yeah, fuck yeah, that sounds great." But I gotta tell you, uh, uh, what or like you know when when are we gonna leave? And she goes, "I was thinking like uh, four or five p.m." And it was like the morning. I had no. I thought she was like trying to plan this out. You know, she was literally saying like, "Pack your shit, get in the van, and like let's go." Hello, like, oh, fuck like. So I'm sorry, Auntie. I uh, I would really love to, but um, I don't get paid for this mural gig for like another week. I do not like. I literally have no money right now. I like, and this is true. I was like fucking flat broke. I was just like trying to fucking finish this mural program so that I could get my other, my next paycheck. You know, and uh, she was like, "Don't worry about it. Like, I'll 
you know, you, you, I'll take care of everything. I can do food. You know, you're doing me a favor. And, you know, we, you can, we got the hotel. You can stay there. It's like, uh, all right, let's fucking do it. So we hauled ass there through the night. And um, I got to just kind of pal around or like kind of bop around uh, Indian market. And um, <laughs> I'm actually going to tell you guys the, the truth here. So like my, uh, dun, dun, dun. her niece was with us and she had like this secret boyfriend for a while and we were like and she like wouldn't tell any of us like who anything about this dude she'd be like mm, yeah and she'd just be like she'd just be over here like you know fucking texting 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 text. wouldn't say who he was and then we get down there and she was like oh my god she was like this guy he was supposed to come here and uh, it sounds like his his travel fell through and so he's not going to be able to do it and then later on like in the day she was like oh my god he's getting on a flight to come and see me and I was like oh shit like I'm gonna meet I'm gonna meet the boyfriend fucking we're, we're all gonna meet the super secret boyfriend guy and so she's like you know texting she's like he's here he's here he says he's over here and we go and it is the rapper guy the native rapper who our uh, Pumpkin Lusty was originally uh, modeled after, <laughs> which is totally fucking crazy. But he was standing there with Sterling, Harjo, and Ryan Redcorn. And I didn't know who Sterling was, but I knew who Redcorn was because I really liked his graphic design stuff. And I was like, I followed him on MySpace at the time. And uh, fuck, man, like, uh, so I met, I, I was like, that's the fucking dude and i told her i was like I, I i had remembered this and i told him this when i met him too he was at that um that uh, uh anti-columbus day show that i told you guys about uh his name's and uh he goes shake shake my hand uh he was like hey man pleasure pleasure to meet you you're you're uh, brother I said, oh yeah, uh, we actually met. Well, I mean, we sort of met. I said, um, I met you at the uh, anti-Columbus Day show at the Fine Line in downtown Minneapolis some years back. He goes, oh, really? I remember that show. I said, yeah, yeah, no, uh, you probably don't remember me though because uh, when I went to shake your hands because some uh, mutual friend was trying to introduce us, you looked at me and you did this and then you looked away and continued to like do like a weird eagle pose on top of a PA. And he was like, what, what? That I, I, are you sure that was me? I said, yeah, it was definitely you, dude. <laughs> and uh, it was fine. We cleared the air right there. I was like, all right, that's fine. Because he was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry if that, if I did that, I must've had something on my mind. I said, yeah, no, I get it, man. I like, I'm fucking, you know, we all get shit going on in our heads. Like I feel like. <laughs> So I have a lot of shit to just do that to people. Watch day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was what it felt like. I was like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, Chief Keese over here. You know, ah, in that way, yeah. Did not talk to you right now in that way. So I'll just, uh, I play. You know, I was like, it's fine, whatever, man. Uh, but I became really good friends with Red Corn. And uh, like right away, we were just talking indigenous art. And like, this is like the stuff that I had seen. I had never been to uh, Santa Fe before. I was just like fucking enchanted. You know what I mean? Like Indians from everywhere who do art 
It's amazing. Like, why isn't anybody writing about this? This is so crazy. This shit's historic as fuck right now, man. Like, I was so hyped about it. And, uh, you know, me and Redcorn were just walking around, meeting these amazing uh, artists. And we were just, like, telling each other our life stories. Fucking hung out with this dude until the next day. Like, we just fucking walked around, hanging out. We went to, like, a show at the VFW. We saw Gary Farmer uh, performing. Like, it it was really cool. It was so much fun. And uh, at the end of the night, he was like, well, hey, man, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to turn in, I'm going to head out of this show, you know, you, your sister here, and, uh, and, that, and, th- and that guy, no, he, they, they didn't like, this. they had actually, uh, this, I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, we'll bleep out the name, we'll bleep out names. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. No, you don't have to bleep out the name, I don't give a fuck. But, you know, it's up to you, it's up to me, it's your show. But uh, <laughs> what had happened was, oh, actually, maybe you should because this is their story too. Uh, <laughs> I'll just about names left and right. right. Like, and yeah. then I was with, and then we went, and then um, that's how it ended. I'll just so, uh, change their name to like Navajo names, like Winifer and Juanita, or uh, not Juanita, Henrietta. <laughs> we'll just we'll just record our voices saying other Navajo names. Yeah. Wilford. Yeah, this is Shasta. This is Aveda. This is uh, Coolio. This is no. They're all Navajo names. (laughs) So that dude, the reason his travel had fallen through is because the Oklahoma people like Sterling and Redcorn were so fed up with this dude and like the shit that he had been doing with uh, their like youth programs and like trying to hook up with chicks like all over the place and just like being a real, you know, fucking D-bag. And they were like, you know what? Like we're done with this guy. He was like, but he was still thinking that they were all like cool. And so he was like, you guys going to Indian market, like pick me up. And they were like, yeah, we'll pick you up. Be ready. And they fucking like just left. <laughs> and so they, he hit him up. He was like, hey, I'm all ready. And they were like, oh shit. Like, oh, we we're supposed to pick you. Like, they were you all, were yeah, serious like, about that? Yeah. <laughs> when, did we, when did we say that we were doing that? So they totally left him high, high and dry, but then he came out anyways. And they were like, oh shit, man, he fucking came. <laughs> You know, you got you got a ticket, got a plane ticket out. Oh, uh, that I mean, and that's interesting. That I mean, it all kind of it all comes back. You know, it's all circle. Uh, the beginning of 1491s and uh, punk and lusty. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So then, uh, yeah, it, this is what's so funny about. It. I'll I'll get back into it. But you know, like that hotel that we stayed at that night, that wasn't actually Redcorn's hotel to tell people to come stay the night. It was Sterling's hotel. He was the one who had been invited by like whatever, like Indian market people to show his film Barking Water. And he just brought Redcorn with because Redcorn was in a scene in the movie alongside. And uh, (laughs) so fucking I go in there and I'm like, oh, cool. Like, you know, there's somebody sleeping on the couch. There's like a Cherokee woman on the couch. And like these two lovebirds were on the floor and Redcorn goes, well you can stay in the bed with me i was like all right man that sounds cool man like, <laughs> i trust you we've, we've been together all day you know like let's go into let's go into bed fuck and like laying there and then like i don't know it had to be like 3 a.m because we got there at like two fucking like the door just boom like slams open it's sterling and he go he sees like there's just people all over his hotel room and like in his bed, like the only bed in the hotel room. And all I heard was, 
oh fuck this this is uh, this is fucked up what the fuck is this and i slammed the door shut like trying to like you know trying to wake everybody up you know and but like everybody at like I was awake at that point and I was just like pretending to be asleep. I'm just like listening. And I heard like, man, what the fuck? Like I'm the only goddamn person I get a hotel room out here. Like I'm supposed to be here. You got people over there. Red corn. What the fuck's going on? Like you got there's two guys in my bed right now. Like scoot over, scoot over. And so he pushes, he pushes red corn over just like he takes his pillow. He's, Give me that goddamn pillow. And I was just like sitting there, like with my back to them. <laughs> like these two are like best friends at this point and like there's like me rando in the fucking bed with them you know and they're just like sitting there like talking like you know like best buds do it was, it was really, sweet. It was really <laughs> sweet. like listening to them just like talk about the day talk about the trip and all that stuff and, and the next morning we all went and got breakfast and fucking red corn was like you know fucking getting married uh, a few months It'd be really cool uh, you know if you ever want to come down to oklahoma I mean, but I mean, those guys came yeah. up to show the same film in Minneapolis sometime later, and uh, we all got together um, because they knew Migazy Pensano, who's also in the group, and uh, Dallas Goldtooth is Migazy Pensano's uh, stepbrother that he grew up with, and so we all uh, got together as a as a crew out there and made a video called Wolfpack Auditions, and that was I remember that one together. Real quick, I grew up. Uh, when I first got internet at my house, that was one of the first YouTube videos that popped up, and I was like, "Native." And then 1491 <laughs> came up, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah!" And me and my cousins like all huddled over like some big ass, like old ass uh, computer, and we're like, "Oh damn, these guys are great!" <laughs> I just imagine Cody two fingered going N A T I V E. Enter native. Native. N D in enter <laughs> no he was probably looking up like twilight or wolf wolf pack i get it the wolf pack are sexy they don't even got tan lines that's how fun they are <laughs> you know I, I think that's generally how it is because I've, I've had stories where folks you get invited to a hotel and you find out that it wasn't their uh their authority to do so granted i think you know <laughs> sterling sounded much nicer than the, the instances where i had to get chased out and i'm like oh fine then i'll leave Fucking go then. let me use the restroom damn it <laughs> like, anyone crash up by me it's cool dude yeah yeah it's cool and he's like leave each other <laughs> you have a good day today yeah, yeah dude <laughs> makes me insecure so, uh... that me and cody haven't shared a bed <laughs> you gotta do it and then we, you know, it was the first of, of many for years because we, we ended up touring together, you know, for at least seven years, I want to say. We've fucking been to like every damn res that exists and even a few of the reserves in Canada. I, I had a, a final serious question because I, I do, you know, as someone who's, who's a PhD in geography, you know, I got to ask these kind of questions. And also just as someone who's always having to deal with that that damn that damn binary of like res versus off res whatever people say I, I was curious you know as someone who's part of a tribe that's been displaced you know how does migration and i guess movement play into your screenwriting for these two shows mm, honestly like the the real answer to that is it's it's in there in everything that i do from screenwriting to painting to you know poetry all that shit it's like um, I grew up in a 
in a state where it is to this day still on law that you can uh, fucking kill a Dakota person and bring them for bounty. Um, and they just keep not changing the law. They like bring it up every like five to 10 years. And they're like, should we do something about this? Like, I mean, who's actually going to kill one of them, you know, and like bring them for bounty. And I knew that shit growing up. Like what the fuck? Like it is illegal uh, after the fucking war of 1862 for my tribe specifically to be in that state that I was born and raised in. And I've been to jail. I've been grown up in county boys' homes. I've like every bit of like systemic uh, trauma that I that I that I could endure. I did like fucking shelters, all this shit, you know. And I always bring it back, you know. I'm like fucking Charlie Day, like. It's all colonization. It's all colonialism. This is why we grew up like this, okay? It started out here in 1862 when Minnesota decided it was going to be a state instead of territory. I can go on and on and on about it, but I mean, like, that is the fucking reality. I mean, like, people showed up and, like, fucking just started, like, you know, fucking making a sign shit, and they were like, well, now you got to pay taxes, and we're like, well, we don't have any money. <laughs> They're like, well, we're going to have to put you guys in a fort until you figure out how to pay us. And uh, that's also like why my tribe is in South Dakota instead of on the Mississippi. I mean, like, it's fucking crazy, you know, and I think about it all the time. And uh, so that particular, like, uh, that aspect of the migration of feeling more like I am growing up in my homelands, but I am actually not even allowed to be here by the people who run literally everything in my life. Uh, like that shit plays into all of the work that I do. Um, that that truth, I guess I should say. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I fuck all, all fucking serious. Cody, go ask another question. Damn it, change the subject, mate. <laughs> I'm gonna cry over here. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking making me think of my dad and shit. <laughs> no, that's. I mean, that no, that's a really good. That's a really interesting way of uh, writing stuff. Because I know um, my older brother when he writes, right, he writes a lot of old stuff that we experienced as like like little kids. And he grew up like straight up on the res, very fairly poor. I mean, we're all pretty much poor, but. I also, um, when I would start doing a lot more acting, I guess if it's called acting <laughs> with your cousins, I don't know if it's just called fucking around. <laughs> but was, um, people would actually try to come up to me and they would ask me questions like, do you practice your res accent? What do you do? How do you get these ideas? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Is there a way to train yourself with res accent? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> just fucking hang out with my bros and like my cousins and stuff like that you know yeah no totally i mean you can call it acting you can call whatever you want (laughs) i mean you're fucking performing for stuff you know what you fucking know i mean that's all that's that's the best thing to me what you can do you know i'm not gonna fucking i don't know like it's all it's all from the experiences that you've had you know it's what you know and that's that's what makes it strong that's why fucking sick is so funny in conclusion, <laughs> acting is fucking around and finding out. It truly 
truly is. Acting is just fucking around until you figure, like, find it out. You're just fucking around with a bunch of people. You know, it's either your best friends, your cousins, your whoever, like, or it's a bunch of other actors who are also just fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. There's, we had some uh, listeners of our podcast and some questions. So they're pretty quick um, and they're funny as fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one person put, Bobby, how many blunts would it take for you to be able to speak fluent Navajo? <laughs> well, I mean, that's like, how many blunts does it take for me to actually become Navajo? It's like <laughs> something happens. Like I finish one and suddenly there's yarn in my hair. I finish another one. There's an expired pawn ticket in my pocket. <laughs> another one i'm mutton busted like maybe four yeah oh one for each of the mountains (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna be just go to each each mountain and just smoke one that will be the bobby wilson challenge for navajos who are listening light each of them with a piece of coal from black mesa (laughs) oh fuck you yourself found on the floor (laughs) oh shit um, then another question is, um, Bobby, were you able to answer Gary Farmer's most contended question? Who's your favorite Indian? <sighs> oh my God. Well, honestly, like the Indian that I made, uh, my child is my favorite Indian. I mean, she's fucking funny. She doesn't say coyote. She says mutty. So I think we're doing an okay job. Yeah. Fucking feels good. <laughs> you tell her yeah, to say. Say fucking sick, and she's been running around fucking sick. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's her auntie's trying to instill that. <laughs> we'll be sure to we'll be sure to lend Cody for some some babysitting practice. They... That'll be perfect. I mean, she's already laughed, so you don't got to worry about that. You know, she's two. Yeah, Bobby's supposed to be on nobody, and they'd be like nobody. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> My child says Xabache. they're gonna start combining like dakota and navajo together and then you're like what the fuck are you speaking (laughs) i can't wait that would be sick it's like an ethnogenesis of a completely new culture (laughs) you know like bro i mean there are so many like sue for you know just for the for the laypersons here Uh, (laughs) there's so many dakota lakota nakota slash navajos out there now it's like i fucking i used to mc powwows a lot and like the, the contest ones every motherfucker that got up there was a begay it was like the first <laughs> the first place people was like you know they were like lakota slash danae and i'm like god dang like we, we, yeah. we had two contestants on miss navajo right that were both part yeah, of yeah like, i saw yeah. that i saw that yeah yeah was one's that iron thing. shell yeah, yeah iron shell that one Dang. I was going to say, like, so, like, Navajos, it's kind of interesting because, you know, Navajos are kind of, like, going on to, like, different tribes. And how does that make you feel? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, uh, coloniz- <laughs> Navajo colonization. What's your what's your opinion on it? <laughs> we're, no, we're keep- I mean, like, honestly, by the year 2035, everyone will be part Navajo. <laughs> me. I'm already on my way. I was I was up in Kootenai, uh, Kootenai area, and they're really up way up by uh, Canada. They're really tiny, like 170 people. And I thought I got away from Navajos. Fuck no! Like I was like, uh, oh yeah, Navajo. Oh, so and so's a uh, husband's Navajo. Oh like, yeah, he's from Lakota guy. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 
like they're everywhere. They're <laughs> everywhere. I, I I don't know what you guys do. I mean, I get it. You guys should probably just like fan out a little bit. Yeah. It's okay. We're 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 saving. You know, we're saving the tribes from getting integrated with white people. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you get abducted by aliens as a navajo and then you're taken to mars and you're like yeah we go right (laughs) bright side is i'm the first navajo on mars and the alien goes no actually that was some guy named wilford in 1978 (laughs) (laughs) he's over there hey hey, what's your clans (laughs) hey my uncle (laughs) oh that's where you've been we were looking for you (laughs) oh shit this is real uh so other person put um you know what's your first comedy sketch it would have been the wolfpack one right yeah that was that was the first one i would say though like um when we started doing live shows we didn't do wolfpack stuff the first one that we really did in live was uh it was just called elders i like we didn't come up with a good name for it and it was like me dallas goldtooth and migazy pensano would come out on stage and we would try to like one up each other, like back in my day type of stuff. And so I'd be like, ah, yes. Oh, we're out here enjoying a fresh glass of delicious water, you know, and like, you know, oh, well, these kids, they just don't understand, you know, back when I was young, you know, we didn't have water. We went our whole lives, we didn't drink water, you know, we just had, you know, all we drank was Diet Pepsi. And the next person would be like, yeah, all we had was, but ice filtered through our old our, our grandmother's panties to you know it was like we would get we would get there we would just fucking dig into it it's terrible but uh you know that's like the old old stuff uh but that was that's the first one that i remember that we really fucked with uh as a as a live show it was a traditional filter filtration system right there yeah. <laughs> that was what was the one the one that we always did was uh, uh the real one was powwow uh like Oh, yeah, and the powwows. You remember the powwows? Oh, yeah, they were so good. We didn't have all these fancy dancers now. Everybody's got their own outfits. You know, when I was young, we had just one jingle dress between me and my 46 brothers and sisters, and we would take turns going out there with that. And, you know, like, as we got older, you know, we, would, it would, we, we weren't able to alter it because we didn't have anything. We didn't have any money. So you would keep dancing, and the jingles, they would just stand straight out because it was just tight on you. And that was was traditional. We were grateful for that for that one jingle dress. And so he says, "Oh, you you had an outfit. You had clothes. Oh, must have been nice growing up rich like that, you know." And we oh we didn't have nothing like that. We would just pick up trash off the side of the road and hang it off of our arms. And those were our, our that was our regalia. And then mine was I would take my braids when I was young we didn't even have trash that's how poor we were we didn't have anything to even throw away we didn't have, that's how poor we were we would just take our hair and use the regalia that creator gave us and we braid it all the way down and we tie it off on our foreskin in that old way like that they don't do that anymore that was our first sketch <laughs> damn these are some these are some traditional teachings right here <laughs> old ways uh, you know that was never mentioned in the anthropology books the (laughs) i'm glad we're getting first-hand knowledge right here (laughs) so so my anthropologist i'm writing this stuff (laughs) oh fuck replay Uh, that replay that all right go back go back (laughs) would wear their traditional regalia their two braids (laughs) their four skins okay the, the, the final question that we got was um 
What's your favorite role that you've played? Oh man. Well, I mean, Wayne and Rutherford Falls is the, is my personal favorite. Just like from, uh, it's hard to say, you know, it's just because like that is the one that I did the most. Uh, and like the, I was part of the writing for it. It was always like, we got to like sit with the main character, Jana, who's also a writer on the show. And like, it'd be like, so sorry for this, but like for Wayne and Sally, it's all just like dissing on the main character. And so like, we would sit there and be like, she's got those beady little eyes. She's like a T-Rex, except with smaller arms and a bigger head or, you know, we'd say shit like that, like just cap on her. And she's like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> but she's amazing. She's like an amazing uh, fucking comedian herself. So, you know, always, always digging in with it. But that shit was so, I, I mean, they're all super fun. Uh, like fucking reservation dogs like i got to i got to smoke fake cbd weed with uh goddamn gary farmer you know indian country's tv uncle well i was gonna say i was like that that shit looked real you you played it off pretty well i was gonna ask are you a method actor but (laughs) it was so fucking like uh it's so funny because like just the way like that production is insane like it takes place in like the town that sterling grew up in he was able to convince his major network to just like let him film in his old town and so like hair and makeup was like his aunts and cousins and shit and like uh fucking like i go to the set you know and this is like uh, you know I, I was part of the writing but then like for the production i didn't get to go out there except to be in this one episode and so i was there for literally like a day and a half to film this scene but i get there i do the the first the driver takes me to get my covid test then he takes me to like this abandoned mall uh that has like a, a used to be a macy's clearly uh like the the outline of the old sign is still there you know and that was their production office like that's where you went for your costume fittings and stuff like that and then i go out like an hour out to the town that he grew up in and uh we go to the shitty little strip mall and there's part of it that's like not even like it's so you know it's not been used in quite some time and that's where they're keeping all the cameras. It's where like the actors are sitting and waiting for like their, their call to come out and do the scene. And they take us through this hallway, open it up. And I'm like, whoa, like I'm looking around. It looks like a real fucking dispensary. Like they nailed it. I was like, this looks like a really nice dispensary. Like, especially for like a small town. Like, and this dude goes, I'd, like, I wasn't even talking to nobody. It's like, I heard a guy go like, fuck yeah, thanks, man. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, oh you you did the you did like the design for this. He's like, yeah, man, like I've been working on this for years. Like, you know, I'm so happy that you know, I'm glad you like it. I said, wait, what do you mean we're working on this for years? This is this a real dispensary? He said, yeah, man, this is my dispensary. I was like, oh shit. Well, fucking kudos, man. It looks great. <laughs> it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, they uh, fucking used a. And th- this was a hard joke. This is like an Indian dude's dispensary out there in fucking Oklahoma. <laughs> the worst case scenario is what happened in Shiprock with uh, our own attempt to go into hemp and then we <laughs> got raided. Uh, oh my but that- God, <laughs> I read about that shit. That was so crazy. It was like a New York Times article. Yeah, it was. It was. It was pretty big. I, I live, I see all the hemp, like little uh, hemp covers and shit like that. So if you li- if you get up early in the morning, you can still smell the hemp. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit well, well that's like a bunch of like uh like chinese immigrants right yeah yeah they, what i read in the article and yeah they, they hired like living in a motel no they were living in like 
fucking like trailers that weren't even hooked up properly and they did not have any of the proper permits they had no things and then they were telling everybody like, yeah yeah we're, we're only doing hemp it's not too bad you know the levels of cbd or whatever it is is pretty low find out dude it's fucking marijuana and everybody's smelling that shit and yeah. then like he, he just dipped bro he dipped and then you know I, I won't go into more recent things but i'll wait until as as those progress but yeah, yeah. and and like you can still see the little like uh little huts and shit and you're like damn i want to i hear like other shiprock farmers and like i wish i could use that for my garden and oh, I'm like, oh. Okay. but they can't touch anything because it's all um yeah, it's all under investigation yeah it's evidence and everything so yeah, yeah they're good yeah. you got one what side it's good case scenario what <laughs> <laughs> shiprock of course of course it would be in shiprock of all the fucking places in navajo land like god dang like, Dude, I wasn't even that surprised, you know. No, I wasn't. I wasn't either. I was like, no, that sounds like my in-laws. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> one brand for Shipra. <laughs> well, he's all holding the same. Suddenly, get see that belongs to us. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a <laughs> Could have had an empire, me, <laughs> a, a, a empire. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I was having fun. Yeah, I mean that's cool though. That you know. Harjo is Sterling was able to get it back in his community because um, generally you don't have that opportunity. And if you yeah. were to try to film that shit in the res, it's you have a to hard like fucking a, thing. It's yeah. the hardest thing. Like getting enough Indians together to make a thing. And like, because it's like, uh, there's only a handful of folks that like um, a studio will hire to like handle a camera, you know? And uh, like and they're all working on reservation dogs now, <laughs> but uh, it's stuff like that. But like the training aspect is so important of it. That's like like that's why I loved working with Sierra um, because like honestly, like I've been doing the comedy shit for so long, and she came along and was like, "Will you give me a writing sample? Like I like the stuff that you do. Um, I'd like to see if you're fit for the show. If that's even something you're interested in." I was like, "Oh." let's fucking go like get me in there yes please you know but like it's all about mentorship it really is because it's like there are there seriously are not very many indians doing this shit um and the only way that we're gonna have more indians doing this shit is if we can pair them up with people who are already like seasoned within the industry and so even like the hair and makeup folks it's like you've got uh a non-native person who has been doing the shit for years and years and has been done all these different productions as like kind of the manager essentially but it's like you know you just tell them how to do it or like what they're supposed to be doing and like they can they can all do hair and makeup and listen to instructions and so like they fucking now we have like you know five more indians that can go travel the goddamn world on hollywood productions if they if they should uh, be able to finesse it in that way and uh that's like also with our um our composers for both of those shows for like Rutherford Falls it was like how can we get a native talent in here to do like the musical composition for this show and like music composition for a show it's it's more than just writing a song and you know putting it out and plus like you know a lot of artists in general and musicians like don't necessarily want like they, they're not doing this so that they can get hired to write something like a jingle for tv or something like that you know and so, like, uh, she hired um, the hallucination. I almost called them Tribe Called Red, but you know who I'm talking about. And uh, paired them up with uh, the composer who had been working with Mike Schur 
uh, also one of the co-creators of Rutherford Falls, um, with the composer that had done like the Good Place music, who had done uh, Parks and Recreation. And um, like those guys worked together to create this thing. And now Tribe Called Red, I mean, they can already do whatever the fuck they want with, you know, their, their background, their talent, like the awards they've won, experience. But like this kicks them into like, if you wanted to approach, if I wanted to approach a studio and I was like, hey, I've got this crazy ass idea for like an adventure sci-fi and I, like, I wanted to hire them as composers, then like a studio has no problem being like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, let's get those guys. Like they know how to hit those. Uh, it's really like how they hit the scenes, you know, do all that stuff. But you're going to inspire me and Cody to start a hip hop group called the Imagination. <laughs> <laughs> That's no shade to hallucination. I, I love y'all. Um, Cody, <laughs> please, please come to the podcast. I'd love to yeah. interview. <laughs> so yeah, they're all Liz. Fuck that guy. We're never going to the Navajo Nation. We're going oh, to Shiprock no. Fair. <laughs> and I just, I really appreciate you coming on, Bobby. How's that knife treating you? Oh, she's beautiful, beautiful. I haven't stabbed anybody yet. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> promotion, goddamn. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. More bony productions. Uh, bony, bony, more bony. <laughs> Did I say it enough times in my contract? It said I had to say it five times. Bony war pony, bony war pony, bony bony. Blade Smith. Blade Smith. If you say it too much, Cody's gonna you're gonna summon Cody like the candy man. They say it four times and I come. Anyway, just appears in the mirror. Goes fucking sick. Yeah, no, I wanted to say thank you too. As well, because I, I I do appreciate it, and I I'm imagine I imagine you're busy, you know, with all this shit you got to do. My final question is: Will you ever write erotic fan fiction? You mean again? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Want to say thank you for this, and um, yeah, I look forward to finishing the season, but also congratulations on season two. You know, as much as I can be cynical when it comes to the politics of representation. It feels good to see that kind of representation. It makes me feel good in my heart. Hajo, Hajo, every time. In that good way, in that Hajo way. In that good way. Put some cedar down, Aho. In that cedar down that road that we walk together in that way.